0: Hello and welcome back to Talk Richmond. Did you know that more than three in five of us will become unpaid carers at some point in our lives? An unpaid carer is someone who looks after a loved one who, due to illness, disability, a mental health problem or an addiction, could not cope without their support. Apparently over 18,000 people in Richmond-Upon-Thames provide unpaid care, and today's episode will discuss this role played by so many people who often don't even realise that what they are doing for their loved ones is caring and that they could be receiving support. Joining me today for this important discussion is Sarah Chalice. Sarah lives in the borough and cared for her husband for 13 years after he became severely disabled from a brain tumour. Sarah is the author of Who Cares? a best-selling book which empowers carers to look after their health and well-being. Sarah joins us to talk about her experience and to share her advice on looking after yourself whilst caring for someone. Hello Sarah, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Lovely to meet you, thank you for having me today. Thank you
0: so much for joining us. And I've already mentioned you're an author and obviously... I know your story is very personal, but I wondered if you could tell us about what happened to you and your husband and and what journey led to you writing the book.
1: Yeah, thank you. So we're going back to 2002. um, My boyfriend, I'd only been seeing him for six weeks, fell ill with a brain tumour and he'd been so fit and well up to that point. We had no idea. And I just said to Neil, you know, get better. I'm here for you, not realising impact it would have on my life and, and through those years that would happen. So for 13 years moving forward, I ended up caring for Neil as he slowly became more and more in decline, more disabled, ended up having a stroke, bed bound in our living room and being hoisted every day. And when it comes to caring, you're, you're in that zone of caring for them, trying to keep them going, um, offering that support mentally, emotionally, and physically. And at the end of the day, your life is on the back burner and that's what happened to me as it does for many of us caring and with that i ended up um, falling ill myself from the stress that constant looking after him Um, neil was unable to speak um so we couldn't have that same relationship that we did before i was more like his mother or his nurse and even friends and family didn't really understand what i was going through um and sometimes they were judging cuz i always had a smile on my face looking like i'm coping a lot of us as carers do that we're, we we want to look like we we can you know it's our loved one who's ill not us um but the trouble is if you're not looking after yourself not taking care of yourself the cracks finally start to show. And that's what happened to me. Neil ended up in a nursing home. I had to be rescued and cared for in essence because I wasn't looking after myself. And with that, I went on a silent retreat of all things. I managed to shut up for five days. And during that time I thought, oh my God, I've got to make changes because I'm not gonna be able to survive caring for him and he'll die in a nursing home. So with that, that's what I did and bringing Neil back home not only was I caring for him I was caring for myself and in the last year of Neil's life I started to write the book because I found that I was actually enjoying life again I was making sure I was seeing friends or in contact with them which I hadn't been so much before and I'd managed to regain my health and that's The message that I want to share with anybody out there caring for a loved one. Life is not about abstaining and enduring. It is still about enjoying your life because these days, weeks, months, years, they won't come back again. So it's important that you look after you.
0: What were some of the biggest challenges you experienced through the years of caring for Neil, would you say?
1: Well, you know, for me, you know, my world became a lot smaller, I felt more isolated. I gave up my job, so that's the trouble for many of us, You, you, you cut out what you were doing before and your life is on hold in essence whilst you're looking after them. My life was almost like tethered to his hospital bed, really, even if I did get out and I was seeing friends. My thoughts were always with Neil, I kind of solely made my resu- myself responsible for his life, which is a tall order when somebody's, you know, very close to going at any particular time. And I, ha- I did have to revive him at one at one time. Gosh. Um And I suppressed my emotions. That's a big one, and mm. I would say that about all carers. I was suppressing my emotions, ignoring how I felt emotionally and physically, I didn't want to look at that to be honest with you I didn't have time to deal with that but we do need to and I'll be honest with you I distracted myself with Prosecco I kind of joke about it but you know we all have distractions in our lives and uh, for me it, it was you know was having a bit of a drink and if I got out of an evening I could drink my body weight in fizz I'll be honest with you <laughs> um but that's what I did to let my hair down and you know um But and if you saw me on Facebook, you know, as I say, well, I always had a smile on my face and a drink in my hand. I wanted to look like I was coping when I wasn't. But I call it fake book, really, because you're not really showing. (laughs) So what? Yes, so people are not seeing the real me. Um, Mm. So um, I kind of joked with a friend, I said, if I took a snapshot every day, say 4 p.m., you know of what I was doing each day for Neil it ain't me with a drink in my hand you know mm. I'm mm. I'm probably changing his nappy I'm cleaning his feeding tube I'm hoisting him I'm probably crying um but not letting others know so it's so important that we do let others know um and if I did get out I felt guilty and I, I think that's another big one for many of us caring you kind of feel guilty having fun and, and enjoying yourself, you know, your loved ones ill, you should be caring for them. Um, so there was a whole load of things that were going on for me um, mm, mm. at that time, which is very challenging.
0: And you say, you know, that you weren't listening to your emotions. What do you think the long term effects of that is?
1: I'm going to be really honest with you. I, I've got some friends who are carers that I know are now long term sick. Um, and I would say that's alarm bells for anybody listening to this um, you know you have to take care of yourself so for example a good friend of mine, um, she'd been caring for her husband who had a brain tumour and she was going downhill and we could see it um, uh, the impact of the stress, a continuous burden of caring her walking was deteriorating slightly and he was noticing it when she got more stressed and when he finally passed Only eight weeks after she was diagnosed with MS and she's already in a wheelchair. And that's also why I wrote the book. I thought, come on, you know, it's crazy to give everything, including your health, you know, because you're ruining your life as well. It sounds a bit dramatic, I know, but that's what I was noticing with me. I was going downhill and it is so important Mm. that you're just going to have to take a step back and look after your own health.
0: Well, when you say when you look at it from the outside, and when you advocate for it like this, it it, it makes total sense. But it's absolutely understandable that people need to hear that message when they're there but in that moment, because it's not what you're thinking about. And I wanted to ask, when you were doing this, when you were caring for Neil, did you have any support?
1: I had support. Well, unfortunately, for my my family lived, our families live miles away, so I had paid carers coming in. At first, we were paying for that, and it it was very costly. Um, we did get continuing care eventually. You have to be, dare I say, one foot in the grave. It's it's very difficult to get continuing care. You, you know, the government can't pay for everybody's care. You know, it's just not going to happen. So that was very stressful, but we did finally receive that. Um, and then it was charities. So INS, who I've mentioned before, Richmond Carers Centre were amazing as well. Really supportive. So I'd say to anybody out there, if you're not supported by charities in your local area please do ring them up Um, they offer all sorts of advice all sorts of support Um, and and then brain tumour charity was great as well I'm still in touch with them um, and offering support for them because the national charities also uh, do great work Um, and and services in the in the borough as well so it's like a befriending scheme Um, would come and sit with Neil you know he'd have a carer with him while I took a break and lastly I had um, respite care once in a while from so Neil would go into the hospice for a week whilst I had a break oh my god that was a lifesaver so uh, I know a lot of carers will turn down respite care they feel awkward at putting their loved one maybe into a hospice or into a home but you need that break carers need regular breaks looking at at carers when you first start caring we go into response mode very quickly so you're busy focusing all your love your time and attention on a loved one to then start to put that attention back onto yourself can feel quite awkward you can feel selfish but self-care is not selfish it is vital Um, and with the clarity you know for me after I'd fallen ill I ended up meeting up with my friend from next door, Nadia. Uh, She's also a carer and with me every week on a Sunday evening, have a cup of tea and go, how was this week? How are you feeling? Because too many of us, as I was, end up on the slide. You end up, you think you're coping, but you're actually not. You're kind of slowly in increments getting worse. You're deteriorating, but you think you're okay because you're, dare I say, you feel uncomfortably, Comfortable, so you're constantly feeling uncomfortable, but you're you're used to it. You're so used to being in that response mode, that fight or flight mode. Um, so yes, checking in with yourself regularly—that's a big one that I did, and I asked carers to do. Um, and if you obviously you can't meet face to face because of you, know, you may be shielding a vulnerable loved one, do it via Zoom or Skype or just calling them, and maybe a, a fellow carer or somebody who understands what you're going through.
0: You know, it sounds like very good advice actually for for everyone, for life itself. Uh perhaps everyone should read your book. And you also have a fantastic website as well.
1: Thank you. Yes. So yeah, it, it is www.whocares dot who cares and then number four, carers dot com.
0: Who cares for carers? Brilliant. Recent research suggests an additional 4.5 million people in the UK have become unpaid carers since the pandemic began. I wondered if you had any thoughts on acknowledging unpaid carers and the huge amount of work that unpaid carers do.
1: Yes, well, you know, looking at it, it's estimated that carers save the economy at least £132 billion a year. That's the cost of a second NHS, which is colossal. And when it comes to the carers' allowance, it's meagre at best. You know, you've got to be um, caring for over 35 hours, it's 67.25 a week. That's 192 an hour, and I think a lot of us are caring for much longer than that. When I think back to myself caring, it was 24 seven. 192 an hour just doesn't really cut it. So I think upping that carers allowance um, is really important. Um, and also the perception of care and carers, it, it needs that we need to value care we need to value our carers and carers need to value what they do i mean when i was asked you know oh what do you do i oh i'm just a carer i might as well just said i'm just a dog's body (laughs) but but caring is so much more not only i believe that it kept neil alive for years longer Mm. um but it gives them a better quality of life It also keeps them out of hospital as well um it's it saves saves in so many ways, you know. Mm. It it really does. Um, so it extends the lives of others. Mm.
0: So this has been such a fascinating conversation. What are your top tips to anyone who is new to caring? I think we've touched on them already, but let's just sort of ask this as a specific question. Um, for anyone who's new to caring or even anyone who might be neglecting to look after themselves who realises, listening to this, that they're already caring for a loved one and they want to do more self-care, what are your top tips?
1: Okay, so top tip number one is checking in with yourself regularly so you're not on that slide. Um, Do it once a week. You could do journaling is is something that I do and other carers do as well. Just fancy name for a pad and pen, jotting down your thoughts, your feelings. What do you ask yourself, what do I need to do more of? What do I need to do less of? Really powerful. And then connecting again, particularly because we're all isolated at the moment I know that we're going to start to come out but you love you might be still shielding a vulnerable loved one so do pick up that phone do connect with friends and family even if they're not connecting with you as much as you would like I know that can be very frustrating so do connect put it out there and connect with charities as well um, and any other services that you're thinking of put those feelers out regular breaks you know, short breaks throughout the day and longer if you can, and sign up to my Carers Masterclass for things like that or read the book. Lots of tips in there. And finally, you know, drop the mask. That's another one that's coming to mind. You know, stop looking like you're coping, trying to be perfect. You know, no, no man is an island. You've, you know, you've got to be there for yourself. Ask for that help. Be honest with friends and family if they ask how you are. Uh, another thing that's um, useful for any carer is to have a carer's assessment. So they assess your needs, what's going on with your loved one and for you, and what is available for you. Um, it's really important that you have that carer's assessment. They can see you'll have a one-to-one with somebody. Get in touch with your local carer centre, like Richmond Carer's Centre, or with other charities. They will, they will guide you, or you can go online. Um, but make sure you have that carer's assessment. Really important, so they can guide you through and give you any support that is needed.
0: Those are fantastic. Like everything you've said, I thank you so much for coming in to speak to us, Sarah.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's
0: been really nice to talk to you. It's been really enlightening, and I'm sure this episode will help a lot of other people. So, I noticed a quote on your website that I wanted to leave with listeners. It reads Life is not about abstaining and enduring, it is still about enjoying especially if you are a carer. Wise words indeed. Please check the show notes for useful links regarding the local support available, the Carers Assessment Form and Richmond Carers Centre. If you have any feedback, do email us on talk at richmond.gov.uk. I'm really enjoying reading the emails that lots of listeners are sending in about the topics we've been talking about. Do keep it coming. I'm Jim Millard.
1: Thanks for listening.